the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Welcome to the well at STSA. Welcome Leesburg. Welcome Arlington. Welcome all those who are watching us at home. What a beautiful journey we've, we've been through together in the book of Ezra. It's been amazing. The life groups have been amazing. Um, the, all the messages have been really impactful. It's a beautiful journey that of our return back to God and back to reconnecting with Him again. I want us to kind of look back really quickly to see where we've been and take a glance at where we've been so far. What a journey. Awesome journey. You know, the journey began in Ezra chapter 1 when, in 536 BC when King Cyrus ordered the people to go home and rebuild the temple. We said, that's an amazing thing. A pagan king can, can be used by God to, to send the people back home. Uh, we know that in chapter 2, the first group by name under Zerubbabel returned back. And finally, in chapter 3, they built the altar, and they built the foundation, and they're starting to pray, and they're starting to, so they're returning, and they're starting to build their lives as we are doing the same thing, right? We're returning back to God, we're reconnecting with God, and we're, we're building our life with God. And then if we go on, last week we saw the opposition. Now, anytime you try to build your life with God, it's not easy, right? What happens? There's always an opposition. There's always uh, something against, there's a spiritual war against us as we try to build our life with God. And, and we found that in, in chapter 4. But guess what? Even though there's a spiritual struggle, even though we struggle, chapter 5 was an amazing thing. Two prophets were sent. Who were the prophets who were sent? Who were the, what were the name of the two prophets were sent? Zechariah and... Haggai were sent to encourage the people. They, they stopped building the church for how many years? Who remembers? 16 years. Imagine, they came back, they started building, they built the altar, they built the, the foundation, and then opposition came, discouragement came. That's what happens to us. Anytime you're trying to build your life with God, some discouragement, distractions come. But at the same time, that's not the end of the story. Chapter 5 comes, and there's two great prophets sent by God. Now, they had two, but we have three. We have Father Anthony, Father Timothy, and my weak self. You have three. They're always coming to encourage you to rebuild and keep building. That was chapter five. Chapter six was the last one from last week. Guess what finished last week? The temple is complete. The church is complete. They finished building. And those six chapters were a journey. And it's not just a journey of of the people of Israel only, it's our journey. Coming back, returning back to God, reconnecting with Him, rebuilding our life with Him, having challenges, that's there. That's why chapter 4 is so important. It's there. But at the same time, completing the temple in chapter 6. Now, something interesting happened here is that in between the temple complete, the next thing you say, okay, if the temple is complete, the church is built, what should be the next thing? Remember the people in Babylon? What should they do? They should come home. You know, the only people who came home were just the first group with Zerubbabel, about 42,000 people. But there's more. So when the temple is complete, logically you would say, the rest are going to come. And they did come. But do you guys notice something on the dates here? The temple is complete in 516 BC. When did they actually come, the second group? Remember it goes backwards, right? So from 516 to 458, that's like 58 years before the next group came back. And the next group, who is leading the next group? His name is? 
It's there, all the, all, the, all the answers are there, by the way. The next group, the second group came back with who? Who led the way? No, Ezra. And you know what's funny? Is someone in our group, one of the life groups said, this is the book of Ezra, and he shows up in chapter 7? What's wrong with him? So it's like, he find, this is Ezra finally in the picture. He comes back, and he's encouraging people. But my question to you is, why did they take so long? What happened between the temple being complete in chapter 6 and chapter 7 starting to build? Ezra came back with the second group. Not only why were they late, but what's their mission? And what's going on with them? We're going we're gonna to answer that today. But really what I want you to say, what I want to say to all of you today is this. Is as you are building your life with God, and this is the most important part of today, as you are building your life with God, as that your life will be an impact for others. Yes, it took them some years, but when they finished their temple, by the way, when I say finish their temple, our temple will never be complete. Okay, this is your life journey. But as you're building your temple and your life with God, it's going to impact others around you. And I would say more like this. Your temple will attract others to God. And that's what I'm saying. It's your temple being built isn't the goal. The goal for the people of Israel wasn't building the temple. was that the temple now can be a place where people can come to him. So when your life is growing and you're growing your life with God, now it should take the next step, which is impacting and attracting others to him. That's the next step. If we're just coming to church and my life is secret and it does no, our life should attract others to God. I remember in, in Zambia, we built a church in the eastern province. Now, the way Lusaka, Lusaka is like the middle of Zambia. And we, we built a church in Chapata, which is the eastern part of, it's like 10 hours away from Lusaka. I was stationed in Lusaka, Zambia. There was a church we were trying to build for many years. It was a church that so many problems happened. We would buy a land. We find out the land was fake. We would lose all our money. We would, we'd buy a land from another person. It would take ages for us to do the paperwork. You know how things are slow. It was, it was eight years of like, we just want to build the church. And we, honestly, personally, I was so distraught. We just want to build a church for the people. And... Honestly, Ezra chapter 4, the opposition, I've seen that personally, live, as you're trying to build a church, how there's, there's a struggle. And I know you, you feel that personally too when you're trying to build your life with God. There's a struggle. There's an opposition. But I want to tell you something about what happened. Actually, we do build the church in Chapata. And it's right here in the picture. Big hand for the people in Chapata here. And they built the church. Let's clap for this. Now, I want you to see what happened here. And by the way, I don't know if you see that picture of me and the kids and... and, and, and we were building the actual altar of that church. Remember we were in chapter 3, building the altar? We built the actual altar of the church. And I want you to see the pictures on the right. The pictures on the right are people coming. Church is being built, I'm telling you. They had members before the church was built. But when the church was built, it attracted so many people to God. So many people came, and the final product is up there on the top. And just to be honest, that was a struggle. I know it looks like a small thing, but that church right now is overflowing and they don't have room for people to sit. It is overflowing. And I saw one baptism where there's just so many people, like 50 people being baptized at the same time. It was an amazing thing. But what I want to tell you is, it was a struggle to build that church. 
It was a struggle to build that temple. I know sometimes you're discouraged, and it's struggle, my life with God, I've been lazy, you know, I'm trying, and I'm far from God, I'm close to God. You keep going, because I'm telling you, it's going to attract many, 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 many people to God. And this church is probably one of the best churches we have in Zambia. And we thank God for it. But it took a struggle. It took a journey. But this church attracted many, many people close to God. And that's what I want to say, and St. John Chrysostom says it even better. He said, a bride seated in the bridal chamber is not as beautiful as a soul that appears in church giving off spiritual fragrance. What does that mean? It means that your life should give off a fragrance. Our life is not just to be in our rooms and living our Christian life alone. That's not the way it works. Why do we go through this book of Ezra? Let me tell you the reason. It's so that your life, as it draws near to God, is a light for others. That's why we're here today. It's not just for us to return home. It's us to return home, to rebuild, and to be a temple that can attract people. I know it sounds funny to say that you have a spiritual fragrance. You do. We have physical fragrances, and some of them are good and some of them are bad, but you have a spiritual fragrance, and that spiritual fragrance is as your life is drawing near to God, as people are going to love Him, they're going to want to be next to Him. So your temple, your life with God attracts others to Him. Not only that, your temple will spark a revival. Now, that seems extreme. Abuna, you're saying that it's going to spark a revival? Yes. When they went back, that first group, they had a lot of struggles. But it sparked the revival for the second group under Ezra. And by the way, the third group under Nehemiah, which is later on. What I want to say to you is, you may be that nudge that somebody else next to you needs. God has nudged you and encouraged you and is building you and is building me, but for a point, for a goal, so that we can nudge others, we can encourage others, we can be that spiritual fragrance to others. This is why we are here. We're going through a revival. And by the way, what I've seen in the life groups I'm enjoying them so much. I was just joking with some of the people. I said, every life group, I said, this is the best life group. And it is. Every single life group I go to, it's the best life group. And there is some sort of a revival and encouragement happening in every group. And I love it. And you're reviving my spirit. And that's the way it should always be. That's the way the church should be. That's the way your life should be. It should spark a revival. And it's much needed right now more than ever. Not only that is it... Your temple will attract people to God, but not only will it spark revival, this next thing, maybe you don't believe, but I want you to believe it. Your temple will reveal your gift from God. Who remembers in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7? As God is building you up, as he's using you to attract others to him, as a revival is sparking, as you're going to see who you really are. You're gonna, God's going to reveal to you your gift. I know you always hear that. No, I'm serious. God's going to reveal. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, your gift is not for you. It's for the benefit of all. It says the profit of all, meaning it's to benefit everybody. So your life, let me just kind of summarize here, is going to bring so many people to God. Your life is not just for yourself, not just for your family only. It's to be a lighthouse 
for many people to come to him, your temple as it's being built is going to make a revival and you're going to see your gift clearly. Now let me give you an example because Ezra is the best example. Ezra chapter 7. Follow with me here. Ezra chapter 7 verse 6. It says, This Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses. What was his job? Scribe. What was his job? Scribe. He was the one who wrote like the, the scriptures, right? Now, how did he get that job? Which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Just to prove to you, God gave Ezra this gift to be a skilled scribe. He's so talented in the, in the scriptures. Some of you may have that gift. You may be so talented to know the scriptures and to teach the scriptures. Some of you have something totally different. My point is, as your temple is being built, like I said to you earlier, their temple was complete in chapter 6. Ours is always going to be in progress. But as you're progressing, building your life with God, you're going to realize you have something that somebody else doesn't have. I'm not preaching to you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. You have something in you, just like Ezra did, that can benefit so many people around you. And even St. Paul says it to Timothy this way, therefore I remind you, and I feel like take this personally, therefore I remind you, you is you, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God has a gift in you that's going to be used for his kingdom, stir it up, utilize it, practice it, even if it's rusty, it needs oil, like use it. Use your life and your talents, your gifts, your energy. Use all of it to help others to know him. God has so much to reveal. I'm telling you guys, there's no greater gift God has ever given me. I'm telling you. Then to allow me to be a servant, a missionary, a priest, I can't think of anything better and all the things that God has put in me over the years, and he's still working on me as he's working on you, it's just so amazing that God wants to use us. He wants to use us to build his kingdom. He, look, we have low goals. Our goal is, you know, I'll just try to get through life. I work, I have a family. I know, everyone has those. I go to church, I read the Bible, I pray. No, no, no. Your life is much more. He has something extremely higher than you think. He's going to use everything in you. Now, as you're growing your home altar and your life in the church, as you're growing, we must help. Now, if you're not convinced by that, I just want you to know, I just stumbled on the meaning of the name of Ezra. And it means, in Hebrew, guess what? His name means help. That means this whole book was meant for one thing for you, that you would help somebody else. We're studying this book, and we're learning, we're doing life groups, we're hearing. It's for us to help somebody else, to be a light for somebody else, to be an encouragement for somebody else. The reason we were returning home, the reason we were reconnecting with God, the reason we were doing all these things, so we can help. His name means help. So if we don't help, I don't know what we're going to do. 
you're going to hear in the days to come that we're going to do something in the church all together. On December 5th, we're going to pray together with Arlington in Arlington at George Mason. It's going to be a Sunday. We're not going to pray here that Sunday. And what we're going to do over there is we're going to sign up to help. There's a volunteer fair over there. I'm just giving you a heads up now and giving you a heads up. So that day, it's your chance and my chance to enter in to find a place to help, to participate. Before you're, you say, this may not be for me, I'm kind of old or I'm kind of young or I'm kind of busy or I'm kind of whatever, like whatever you're going to say. What I'm going to say is, Let's go into these verses here clearly. Ezra chapter 7 verse 9. Before you complete your mind on what you should do, I want you to see from God's perspective what he wants. He says on Ezra chapter 7 verse 9, on the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon. This is Ezra. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. What is the point of this message? Good hand of God is upon Ezra good hand of God is upon you. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to save anybody alone. You don't have to transform someone's life alone. You just have to be willing. You have to be willing to say, God, I'm in your hands. I'm in your hands. Use me. Have you ever said that before? Have you ever said, God, I'm yours. I'm in your hands. Do what you want with me. Are you brave enough to say, I'm in your hands? And you can see here that I love this verse, so I brought it in. Isaiah 49, verse 16. See, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You are in the palm of God's hands. He wants you, and he needs you to build your temple. He needs you to use your temple, your gifts, your life for him. That's it. So if you have anything else in your mind, if you have any goals and dreams in your mind, you're in his hands, inscribed. He's going to take care of every part of it. He's going to do his part. And actually, God will complete his work in this revival. God's going to complete it. Because you know why I said God's going to complete it? Because you always get discouraged like me. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. I don't have talents. What gifts is that what I'm talking about? I'm kind of like, I have all these things in my life right now. It's not the right time. Well, I really don't have gift in preaching or pre-teaching or doing this or doing that. I don't know how to... You can keep saying that. I've said that for many years, but I'm saying to you right now, you're in God's hand. He's going to complete the revival. He's going to complete the work. So if he completes the work, then guess what? We must complete our part. I know this sounds crazy, and you may disagree. But God can't do this without you. It's urgent. Right now, how many people out there are in need of our God? Who's going to go help them? Actually, I don't want to say out there like in the sky. No, even in your own families, even your own friendships, even the people in your community, in your work, and your whatever. You know them. You see them every day. You have a role. God has a role. He's going to do it. He's going to complete it. But we must complete ours. It's, there's our part. Look at even Ezra here. You don't believe it? Look at Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra, what did he do? Had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Ezra prepared his heart. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to seek the law of the Lord and do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. I'm gonna, Ezra didn't say, no, 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 I can't do that. Zerubbabel is going to do it or Nehemiah is going to do it or somebody... Ezra said, I'm going to find out. 
God's going to do his part. I'm going to do my part. God put him in his hands and carried him home. Ezra wouldn't have made it home without God being in God's hands. It's clear in the verses we shared earlier. But you know what Ezra did? He said, my heart is yours. I'm seeking you. I want, I want to know. If you seek the Lord and what he wants, if you even ask that question in your prayer, God, I, my heart is yours. Do, me, do whatever you want with me. If you have the courage to say that, be ready. God's going to do something great. Like I said before, God's going to do his part faithfully. You do your part faithfully. Can't say we're busy. We had a whole series about being busy, busy, busy. We can't say that anymore. Can't say I'm afraid. You're in the hands of God. What are you afraid of? Can't say I'm too shy. I'm too passive. Can't say that anymore. What you should be saying is, God, do you have something more for me? I remember this clearly. And you have the story the same as me. I was working at a consulting company. I was working um, in Arlington at the time. And I was just sitting there at my desk. And I'm telling you the truth. I wasn't a priest. I'm just a normal person, just, just doing whatever. And I sat there at my desk. I'll never forget. I'm just looking around like, what am I doing here? I asked myself that question. I said, what am I doing here? I said, God, there's got to be something more. Do you ever ask yourself that question? God, there's got to be something more. This can't be it. This can't be my... This, now, I'm not saying you have to leave your job. I'm not saying... But I'm just saying, that thing can't be the only thing. Like, there's got to be something more. I remember clearly. Um, and a verse came to me. And this verse... I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to share this verse. This verse came to me during that time. And I'll never forget it. It's Romans 13, 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. I locked in on those two words that you see there. It's high time. It's time. And I want to say the same thing to you that I heard many years ago. It's high time. I don't know what you're doing in your life. Some of you are busy with this and that. I know you have family commitments. I know you have work commitments. I understand that. But it's high time. We get in the game. We participate. We're part of his kingdom. You think that we were going to life groups to, and, and hearing the well for what reason? Because God had a plan to build your temple and to use that same temple to help many people around. And that's it. That's the goal of the series. Return home, rebuild, and have this revival that we can be a part of reviving other people's life. It's high time. And it's never too late. You know why it's never too late? How many, how many trips back to Jerusalem did they have? Do you remember from the very first day we talked? How many trips back? The first one was with Cyrus. second one is today. And the third one is with Nehemiah. Why did God have three? Why didn't he just do one? Why did he just open up one time and everyone go back? You know what God is trying to say? That if you don't come in the first time, there's a second chance. Come the third time, third chance. Now, there's not more than three chances here, but I'm just kidding, but I don't know. But in general, there's the 11th hour worker. You ever heard that story in the gospel? There's the first, third, sixth, ninth, 11th. The 11th hour worker actually got paid the same as the first hour worker. God, basically, God is trying to say in those two stories, it's never too late. Now, it's never too late, but it's high time. That means now is the time. Now, if you said, I'm already serving, I'm already, maybe God has something more for you. Maybe you didn't discover yet what God has. So, Leave room for God. Leave room for God and don't say that's not me. It's for you. I promise you. 
This church, STSA, is built on saving people around in the community. We're built differently. We're building inside so we can go outside. Our temple's going up so many people can be attracted to that. Your temple will attract many people to God. It will spark a revival. It's never, never too late for anyone to return. You or the people that you're thinking about right now, no, they'll never, and I don't know why. It's never, ever too late. That seems like a big statement. And none of us can carry that. None of us, sometimes we have a hard time believing that. But now I want to turn, your, again, your, your eyes back to God. I want to turn back to the readings because sometimes I get mixed up too. Sometimes I get discouraged. But look here what God is doing. I love these verses, by the way. When you're in your life groups, Ezra chapter 7 is going to be amazing. It says here in verse 13, I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer, volunteer guys, to go up to Jerusalem may go with you. So it says here, God is giving Ezra and the people another grace from God. The king, Artaxerxes, is telling them, you can go back too, and everybody can go back. And those who volunteer, you can see there's two parts here. There's God's part, and there's our part. God's part is opening the door. I mean, you're in my hands. My, my love and care are for you. Our part, I gotta, I gotta volunteer. I gotta step up. Now, let me, let me make it clear to you here. This verse is saying... Go and help. By God and by a worldly king. Now, a worldly king is saying, go and help, and God is saying, go and help. What do you say? What's your answer? No, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. I understand you're saying, Abuna, it's nice what you're saying, but I'm not really sure what you mean. God is saying, go. He's saying, go, and actually, when you get to verse 20, he's not only saying, go, He's actually saying, and whatever more may be needed for the house of your God, which you may have occasion to provide, paid for it from the king's treasury. This is one of the best verses. I know you've seen this. This is, this is God using King Artaxerxes saying, hey, whatever you need, unlimited credit card, unlimited whatever you need, I'm going to give you. Just go back. Just help people. Go do something. God is telling us, go do something. I'm going to give you unlimited... Like, that's like a free ride. It's an open door. How can we say no to that? That'd be crazy. And just to say it clearly, this is what I feel God is saying. God gives amazing grace to complete his revival. Amazing. To give from the king's treasury. You know the difference between this king and King Cyrus? King Cyrus gave back the people what was stolen from them, originally from Jerusalem. So they stole things from Jerusalem and from Nebuchadnezzar, when he stole everything, King Cyrus gave those same things back. This is different. This is the things that are not theirs. This, is, this belongs to King Artaxerxes and the people there and his treasury. And he's saying, take whatever you need and go back. This is even better than chapter one. This is even more grace. God gives grace, amazing grace, to complete his revival. Like I said, guys, God is going to do a revival if you like it or not but we get to enjoy in participating. I'm telling you, there's nothing better in this world. 
Name something. Name something you'd rather be doing or can be doing that's more amazing. There's not. It's more amazing to see God's amazing grace working through you. All we have to do is say, I'm willing, God. I'm yours, God. Use me, God. These are the prayers you should say. When you say those prayers, God is going to complete his revival. He actually needs you. He actually needs you. Verse 27. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Who put it in the king's heart? Who put it in the king's heart, guys? God himself. God himself is putting it in a king, a pagan king's heart. What do you think he's going to put in your heart? What do you think he's, doing, he's going to do inside of you? Just got to be willing. Is, is, are we going to say King Cyrus and King Darius and King Artaxerxes are more closer to God than us? I can't. I can't. Are they listening to God more than us? No, I can't. I can't. It's, we are going to be willing. We're going to be willing. And God is going to do his amazing grace on us. This is a question I have for myself and for you right now. What are you waiting for? I don't think you need an invitation. Now, if you say, when I have more time, can I tell you something? You're never, ever, ever going to have time in your life, ever. I'm just going to tell you, you know that. You say, when I have more time, when is that? Tell me the time when you're going to have more time. I want to know. I want you to tell me that moment that you're going to have more time. When you get to that moment, you're not going to have any time. There's no more time. When you feel ready, are you ever going to feel ready to do the work of God? You're never going to feel ready. I can tell you right now, there's so many times in my life I was never ready. I was never ready to be a priest. I was ready, never, never ready to go to Africa. I was never ready to preach in the marketplace. I was never ready to come to STSA, to be honest. I was nervous about that. I mean, you, had like the, you have the best church in the whole world. And how can, I was never ready. I'm still not ready. But you've you got to do it anyway. You've got to go for it anyway. If you say, when I know God better. Have you ever said that? When I know him better. Can I tell you something? When you finally know him better, you can still know him better. Because he's infinite. You're never going to know him better. You're going to always need to know him more better, right? You get what I'm saying? Like, you, you, when you know him better, you, you, didn't, you, you probably got 0.1%. They're still infinite, right? So my point is don't say when there's more time. Don't say when you're ready. Don't say when you know him better. You're going to always need to know him better. What I'm saying is just go forward. Who you are is what God wants. And here, to make it clear, this is what your gifts plus your failures, which is kind of your experience, plus what you're passionate about, plus God's grace, which we talked about, it's your life mission. If you have anything you want to record or take a picture of or remember or, or whatever, this is it. This is what I want you to know, that this is your role in the church. It's your gifts, and God will show you. Don't worry if you don't know. Your failures, how can I fail? I'm telling you, your failures are part of the experience that's going to be used to, tell, to help many people to come. I'm sharing a lot of my failures and my mistakes to, to many people that is helping them, and God is using it. I'm not saying go and try to be a failure and go and do, do a bad thing, but I'm saying God will use it. Plus what you're passionate about, and you're passionate about something. Plus God's grace in God's hands. It's your life mission. It's time, guys. It's high time for this revival. We're not just returning back home to build a temple. The temple's going up so you can impact many people you can have your life mission working. What do I do more specifically, Abuna? I'm willing. What do I do more specifically? I'll tell you one thing you can do more specifically, but I have to turn back to Ezra. This time I'm going to turn back to Ezra chapter 8. 
Now the first 14 verses of this chapter are names of the people who went back. I'm not going to, I'll let you read, I know how you love that, so I'll let you read that on your own. But verse 15, after the names, says this. Now, this is Ezra, I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests and found none of the sons of Levi there. What do you notice about this verse? What do you notice about this verse? What did Ezra discover? Ezra Ezra discovered people are missing. People are missing. So I'm going to say in my southern accent, y'all, we need to look around to see who is missing. That was for you, Dahlia. We need to look around to see who is missing. (laughs) I had to wake you up. I know you're falling asleep with me here. Y'all, we need to look around. This verse from Ezra, he's looking around. He said, oh, the people of Levi, where are they? Where's going on? He found the people missing. And he started searching for them. You know what you're supposed to be doing? With all your gifts, talents, mistakes, failures. Y'all, we need to look for the people who are missing. Now, those people missing could be family members. Those people missing could be good friends of yours. They could be people who are in our faith. They could be people not in our faith. And when I'm talking about missing, I'm not saying if someone is in our faith in another church to go get them. No, I'm not. Leave them alone. People who are in our faith in another church, leave them alone. That's a waste of effort. The effort for us is, y'all, the people are missing. People who are not any place. The people who are disgruntled or hurting or broken, who have been hurt by someone or something. Those are the people that we have to pray and, and be that temple. And look, you probably said, I tried already there. But did you forget God's amazing grace? No, I tried this and they didn't come. Did you forget God's hand? We're in God's hands. He's going to complete his work. Our job is one thing alone, is be willing participants in this great mission God is going to do in us. Just be willing. There's people out there who are missing, but they're not missing forever. They're missing. They can be missionaries. Lost. They can be a leader. I'm not going to spend time telling you about my life, but I was both those on the left, and God made me both of those on the right. This is not about me today, but I'm just letting you know. It doesn't matter if you, have, you know people on the left, they can become people on the right, but only through the work that you will do. God's grace and your participation. Those are the things that need to be done. How did Mary Magdalene come back? How did the Samaritan woman come back? How did Zacchaeus, St. Paul... How did many, many people come back? God went to get them. And God's going to use us to do it. If you look at the book of Acts, you can see all the great work of the apostles and how they reached out to so many people. We have a story. You have a story. Many stories are to be written. But I want to say something. I don't want to stay on these verses too long. But 18, 19, and 20, it's God's good hand working and calling each one by name. What I'm trying to say here is, like, again, I want to remind you, God is doing his part. God is doing his part. Now, here's what I want you to know. And you've heard this before from me and from the fathers. God's good hand plus your faithful effort equals synergy. That's how life works with God. We can't have one of those missing. Synergy is like this, this God coming, saying, I need this to be done. I need to help and save these people. And, you, and, you, and we come say, we, I, wanna, I, I wanna be part of that. And this synergy is going to 
change our communities. It's going to change the people around us. It's the synergy. Now, <clears throat> you can't do it without God, and God can't do it without you. He needs us, and we need him, right? And I keep saying God needs us, and you're probably saying that doesn't sound right, but who, who is he going to work through? He's going to work through us. And that's the synergy that we need to have with God. If you don't believe that, in, do you know in the Bible that God says that we are his fellow workers? We are co-workers? Like if you were to say in a, in a, in a, in a job, God should be the boss and we're the employee kind of thing, right? <clears throat> well, guess what 1 Corinthians 3.9 says? For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You know what that means? You are his fellow workers. You know what a fellow is? Like, you know, hey, what's up, fellow? <clears throat> we're side by side with God. That's how God is so gracious. He looks at you and me and he says, hey, we're together. I need you. Let's do it together. Are you, when Jesus puts his arm around you, you're going to say, no, 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 I'm, I, I can't. I'm busy. He's putting his arm right here. He's saying, let's go. We're together. We're fellow workers. It's not a typo. God is doing his part. How do you think we got here, guys? How do you think we got into the church? How do you think we're so, like we've come back to God? How do you think we're growing? It's God. And you being a willing participant. And we can see this is a great, great thing. An honor. By the way, guys, it's an honor to serve God. Wouldn't you agree? Martin Luther King Jr. said, <laughs> I wanted to bring him in on this one. We bring the church fathers and we bring one of the nation's fathers. Somewhere along the way, we must learn that there is nothing greater than to do something for others. Guys, we have to agree to that. There's nothing greater. Let's be awakened. It's high time that we join the work of God to be that light for others and to be that temple for others. Verse, chapter 8, verse 36 and they delivered the king's orders to the king's satraps and the governors in the region beyond the river. So they gave support to the people in the house of God. They gave support. Look at that. They gave support. That's what they did. They gave support. When they came back from captivity, they gave support. Nothing better. I'm asking you, what way are you going to give support? In what way are you going to be part of the kingdom? Some of you said, I'm already there. Is there something more? Your gifts, plus your failures, plus what you're passionate about, plus God's grace. It's your mission. December 5th is coming. We're going to be all together in, in the church in Arlington. I want every single person to sign up for something. Now, when I say sign up for something, it's not a checklist. Okay, Abu, I'll do that. I want you to be part of the mission of God. Find your place. If you don't know, try something. Try anything. Just be part of the mission of God. He's going to do something. Every small thing or big thing is important. But there's no option to do nothing. Here's the summary of the day. The revival has begun. It has begun. Your temple will attract others to God. You will be that spiritual fragrance. You will attract others to God. Your life, your temple, as it's being rebuilt, will spark a revival. It will. You don't know. Your life can spark a revival in your own family, your friendships, and so forth. It will. Don't doubt it. Believe it. Your temple will reveal your own gift that God has given you. Ezra discovered he was a skilled scribe. God will do his part. His amazing grace. He will do his part, but we must do our parts. That's the synergy. God and us, co-workers together. Be a fellow worker and a willing participant. Guys, that's it. That's what we need to do. 
And again, I'm going to bring this slide back up again because I love it so much. Your gifts, your failures, which means your experience, plus what you're passionate about, plus God's grace, it's your life mission. Maybe, just maybe, you haven't yet entered into your life mission yet. Maybe. But when you do, oh, how sweet it is. How sweet it is when you're actually doing, you're in the will of God and you're doing his life mission. That's why your temple was being built. The last slide I'm going to give you is this one. A revived church is the only hope for a dying world. You're the only hope. We're the only hope. Out there, you know how bad it's getting. But a revival is coming. From this revived church, I believe a revival is coming. It may look dark and may look hard. I really believe this. A revived church. If we really are a revived church, it's the only hope for a dying world. Let us not be passive with this opportunity that lays before us. You have an opportunity. Just ignore what we said today. To be passive or to get in the game. To get up to bat and hit that home run and see what God will do. This is a great opportunity, guys. You may be the only hope for a revival for somebody who really needs it right now. There's someone out there, someone out there who is hurting right now. And some of us used to be out there hurting. Maybe that's you. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for this revival. And glory be to God forever. Amen.